0: Today is Hot Topics Friday, and we are going all in on the latest headlines from politics to pot. If it's in the news, we are talking about it this morning with my special guest, John Fugelsang. He is an actor, comedian, political commentator, talk and radio show host. You have seen him on CSI, Providence, Coyote Ugly, and Politically Incorrect. He starred in the acclaimed solo Broadway show, All the Wrong Reasons, for which he received a Drama League nomination for a distinguished performance. <laughs> Since 2015, you can catch John on his uber successful Sirius XM radio show, Tell Me Everything. The ever talented, engaging, funny, and insightful John saying is in the house. Good morning, John.
1: Oh, how am I going to live up to that, Ms. Martin? Good God, what have you done to me today? You sound like me when I introduce you on my show. I can't.
0: Well, I had to give it back to you. You gave me like this uber introduction, so I spent the last night like going through everything written about you to come up with this intro. <laughs>
1: wow, I'm I shudder to think you've read everything written about me. But thank you. If I ever need a hype man and Flavor Flav's not available. I know who I'm calling.
0: But. I'm your girl for sure. But I'm so happy to have you, John. Uh, wish I could be with you in New York, but you know, I'm in Los Angeles, you're in New York. So we're going to have this incredible conversation this morning uh, and talk about all the crazy things going on in the world. I want to start with the holidays because Christmas is upon us and lots are going on, lots going on in the world of politics around Christmas. Melania Trump, our first lady, uh, soon not to be, but still is for the next 40 plus days, unveiled the White House Christmas decorations and Twitter has not been kind to her, particularly after she unveiled this uh, photo of the Vermil Room, which she dedicated to all people, former President Kennedy and first lady, Jackie Kennedy, you know, folks weren't too happy over this, given that she oversaw the uh, renovation of the famed Rose Garden early in the year when she basically destroyed the garden that was mm-hmm. overseen by Jackie Kennedy. So what do you think, John? Is this a lot to do about nothing <laughs> or, or or is this something we should be concerned about with this first lady who has you know, been strange in so many ways?
1: I really don't care. Do you? Thank you. Uh, Thank you. You knew that was coming. Um, You know, look, Melania has earned the derision. People have, you know, I don't really go after first ladies as a comedian. I I didn't like the way they went after uh, Michelle Obama. I've always defended Laura Bush. I loved Laura Bush. Only in America would a librarian marry an illiterate. So I, I try to be positive about first ladies. Melania Trump inserted herself into the political world as all first ladies must. Yes. But she did so in a way that was dishonest and racist, pushing the lie that her husband pushed for years that the first black president wasn't born here. She did this on HLN with absolutely no evidence. So, again, they're all in the arena. They're all subject to being mocked. And Michelle Obama, Laura Bush, they all know what they're signing up for. God knows, as a young person, I never understood how sexist. My culture was until Hillary Clinton became first lady. Yeah. So Melania's she's she's earned all the derision she gets. And again, you know, we can say it's not fair that her friend recorded a conversation where she F-word Christmas, F-word Christmas, F-word Christmas. Uh, I'm a fan of comedy, and I am here for the great unraveling. You know, I think we're going through two different phenomena right now, Ariva. On the one hand, there's something called the great unclenching, where everyone who was seized in shock Election Day 2016 that the Christians would vote for Caligula, that that this racist reality TV landlord clown could actually con this many people after we knew he was literally a con man with a fraud university. And uh, you know, for some of us, it was the back of our necks and shoulders, for some our chest, for some our fists. We're beginning to unclench. We're beginning to say, oh, we're gonna be able to talk about other things. And a lot of us are beginning to feel, li- without getting a massage, just little bits of that, rigidity lifting. And at the same time, we're witnessing, as the great unclenching, the great unraveling, where this house of cards is coming apart. More and more Republican brothers and sisters are no longer afraid of a mean tweet ruining yeah. their career. Even the president's supporters, and he did get 71 million votes, so he or 74 million. He's, he's, he's earned it. Uh, he can brag about that. But those folks are not demanding the election be overturned. This is all a racket, And we'll talk about that, I know. But I think you need to remember, it's okay to enjoy this. It's okay to enjoy Melania Trump desperately trying to pretend she's a first lady who loves her job as much as she loves her husband. So I think it's it's innocent fun. It's, you know, Jesus taught me it's good to make fun of hypocrites. And uh, I I think that we can all um, just say, Melania, she earned everything she's getting right now. And I wish her a great future career whatever she decides to do. And at least now she won't have to pretend to live in the White House anymore.
0: You know, I think for many people, John, what was interesting is if you look at those photographs from 2018 uh, and even 2019, you know, her Christmas decorations, we were all trying to read a lot into those, you know, bright red trees, and then, you know, in, into those barren uh, white trees. I think we have the wrong photo. This is a rose yeah,
1: garden. That's, that's the rose garden. Oh, there it is, yeah, There the, the, the we go.
0: red tree Christmas. Uh, and then there was the, the really stark white uh you know
1: Yeah, there we go. That's an Ingmar Bergman film there. Whoa.
0: But but now look at twenty twenty. Twenty twenty we're back to traditional you know, green trees, red and, and gold, you know, bulbs and bows, and it looks like, you know, something right out of a Hallmark movie. And I'm just wondering, is this Melania saying, you know, free at last, free at last, you know, I'm, I'm finally getting out of this place, and I'm going to go out and do something that you know, kind of speaks to the dignity of the office. I guess that's what I've been kind of trying to read into these decorations.
1: I can go along with that. That's much more charitable than my point of view. My (laughs) point of view was um, I actually admire the boldness in those earlier hideous choices for, uh, I mean, come on, that just looks like the darkest Star Wars movie you've ever seen with the (laughs) bread trees. Uh, I think that in many ways, this is Melania trying to leave on a high note, trying to leave on a with the suggestion that she is a traditionalist, that she does care about real Christmas. She's not doing any kind of bold design choices. She's going for the most traditional Bush family, Clinton family decoration of the White House. Uh, while it is a silly thing to discuss, I do think that um, it's telling that she's not going with a bold style choice, <laughs> that she is going with uh, very traditionalist because she wants to push the myth that somehow these people are American and of uh, normal American values.
0: And I do want to play that clip of her, you know, what she was recorded, her friend recorded her privately saying about her duties as first lady. Let's take a listen to that. And really? I want to see her reaction on the other side. I
2: know. Christmas stuff that, you know, who gives a f- about Christmas stuff and decoration, but I need to do it, right? Yeah, but Correct. 100%, you have and no then, choice. And okay, and then I do it and I say that I'm working on Christmas, planning for the Christmas. And they said, oh, what about the children that they were separated? Give me a break. Now, you know,
0: obviously when you talk to people you believe are your friends, you know, you you use different kind of language, right? We all do that. But I, I think what was so telling about that conversation was almost her exasperation about the whole concept of First Lady and, you know, whether it's the children who were being separated at the border mm-hmm. and being in those cages. And I think that's what she's making reference to when she talked about the children or the, the mm-hmm. decorations that are so much a part of, you know, the duties of the First Lady. Uh, this has been such an unconventional First Lady. You know, she didn't go out. She had this be best i guess plan but because it was stupid to begin with because it was about online bullying and her husband is the biggest online bullier there is mm-hmm. really go out and promote it and then she found herself whenever she went out without you know the most protective bubble she was you know attacked by everyday people so you know she she made this bed and it was very difficult for her to carry out the duties of the first lady uh, do you think any regrets on her part do you think she's going to you know believe that she could have done a better job. I just wonder, you know, what's the soul of these people
1: like? Uh, you know, I, I please don't ask me to go into uh, inside Melania Trump's head. I'm, I'm terrified. Again, you know, um, I always say find someone who loves you the way Melania Trump loves ripping her hand out of her husband's when the camera is rolling. Uh, it'll be a long time before we know the truth behind all of this. Uh, she signed on for her husband's agenda. She signed on for family separation. She has signed on for all of this deeply uh, anti-Christian, as long as we're talking about the season, agenda of Donald Trump in many ways. You know, I I respected her Christmas comments uh, because, one, it's nice to see a Trump family member not pretending they're a Christian. And two, at least she didn't plagiarize any of that. From something Michelle Obama said several years ago. So I, I kind of I feel should like I did get
0: that out of a Michelle speech for sure. So right.
1: Look, Melania Trump has a long, long history of exposing herself. So I kind of feel like these comments give us an insight into what her values really are. And all I can say is it appears that maybe she did find the perfect guy for her. Maybe, yeah. maybe that's really true. And there's someone out there for all of us if we're dead enough inside.
0: Yeah. Okay. Now we gotta move on, and talk about Trump. He has lost the election. Right. No doubt about it. States, the swing states have certified the votes. The Electoral College is is going to be voting on December 14th. But yet he won't concede. He he continues to carry on this charade. So I want to ask you, what do you think is the biggest factor motivating this 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 whole charade we're witnessing? Do you think it's his ego? That's a this is a multiple choice test for you, John. So, So A is his ego. B, is the $200 million he has raised on this, this legal scam? Three, is his effort to delegitimize Biden because he feels like his presidency was delegitimized? Mm-hmm. Four, uh, is Putin's desire to wreak havoc on the United States and have us you know, at war with each other internally? And five, is all of the above?
2: Well,
1: uh, it's interesting. And I'm glad you included Putin at number four, because who does own his Deutsche Bank debt? That is the real question that I wish our media had been focusing on for the last year. Um, it, it's, it's such a divisive time. You know, it's an uncertain time in America. No doubt this is the most uncertain time we've had in this country since Dick Cheney had heart surgery and Bush almost became the president. I mean, it's that scary. Yeah. And I feel like. Some of my friends say, oh, Trump is an insane, he's delusional, he really does believe he won and he's completely sincere in all of this ranting and raving. Other of my friends say, no, he's a cynical grifter. They've raised $200 million since voting stopped. Think about that, when we were kids, elections, their combined total never hit 100 million. Yeah. Trump has raised 200 million since voting ended. Seventy five percent of that money will go into a pack Trump created this fall, which he can then use to pour into his own properties and pay himself the money his scam his, his gullible supporters sent him. Twenty five percent goes to the RNC. And, and my friends are fighting over what the real gameplay is behind here. And I'm like, people, can't we come together and say that Donald Trump can be a completely deranged and delusional Grifter, he can be all of that at once. And yes, Putin can be pushing it. I think the desire to discredit the Biden administration's credibility, that kind of folds into both the grift, to Mm -hmm. be honest with you, he's going to raise more money. Look, He's got a choice. He can come out and say, yes, we lost. Thank you to all my supporters. I will use the remainder of my time in office trying to help Americans who are hurt by the coronavirus. He could leave with dignity. He could pass some executive orders that actually help people. He could leave making a lot of his liberal and moderate critics kind of having to praise him for doing the right thing. Or he can go on raising money off the people who still believe him after they found out that the Trump Foundation was fraud, after they found out Trump University was fraud, after they found out there was never gonna be a wall and Mexico wasn't gonna pay for it. He's choosing B, he's choosing to just go out making as much money as he can because none of us have any way of knowing how deep his debt really runs. So he's only gonna taint himself and I don't really know how he's going to be able to make billions with a B to pay back Deutsche Bank because they want what they are owed I don't know how this is going to serve him long term.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's interesting that you say that because, you know, people are rightfully outraged over the grift, over this $200 million that is continuing to grow as we speak. Uh, but we know that his debt is so much larger than that. Now, the $200 million would be enough for, you know, everyday folks like us to live, you know, the rest of our lives times 1000 but oh, for yeah. Trump, oh yeah that's just in the bucket in terms of the debt that's going to be to come due when he leaves the white house. So uh and also I think what's so absolutely horrible about our laws in this country is the 75% of that 200 million that you talk about he can use at his own discretion. Exactly. He if he's going to have to file reports or there's going to be any oversight. He gets to use that. And and I just wonder do you think John the 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 working class person in 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 Iowa that is barely making it but yet they're contributing that $20 to that fund do they have you know any idea that this is is such a scam that there's no I mean, legal evidence there there's no credible argument that can be made and going to turn this election around
1: no not at all and that's why you know thank god donald trump doesn't have enough money right now to afford a real legal team I mean, there's a lot of lawyers who wouldn't touch this case, just as no American banks will loan Trump money anymore, which is why he had to go crawling to Hitler's favorite, Deutsche Bank. Uh, you know, he he. If, imagine if he could afford a really sharp legal team that could threaten this instead of being, you know, one win and 39 losses. I mean, I, I, I personally, I don't know about you, Areva, I love it when millionaires at birth who brag that they don't pay taxes are claiming the system is rigged against them, that's great. And I I support Donald Trump demanding a nationwide recount because if he got one, we could all watch him lose the popular vote for a third time. But at the end of the day, we've got to remember more votes were cast against him than against any candidate in the history of this country. He is an impeached president who lost the popular vote twice. And this is gonna be like the last month of Nixon meets the last 20 minutes of Scarface for uh, the next 34 days, but it ain't over until the last Trump lawsuit is laughed out of the last courtroom. And believe me, Giuliani might be decrepit and depraved, but they know what they're doing. I mean, when they come out and say in a press conference, we have evidence, and then sign affidavits before a judge saying we don't have evidence, they know what they're doing. They're dragging this out because every day, Trump 2020, the campaign, is sending out dozens, dozens, dozens of, of emails. fundraising emails. Everyone should subscribe. It's not too late to see how this grift still keeps going on. And, you know, there's a lot of people who don't want a leader. They want a ruler. The one trait that unites all Trump defenders is authoritarianism.
2: Yeah, they so want to
1: talk They're
0: paying for more. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the legal team. Because as a lawyer, I've been watching this so-called dream team, the legal team. Eagles that, that Trump likes to brag about one of which he's had to fire that was so extreme the Sydney power lady even for Trump and his you know reality world she was a bit much but oh, yeah. I'm going to show you a clip of, of Rudy but before I do that I want to talk about one of their star witnesses. Just Morgan. I, I don't know. You know, this is a guy that said he drove ballots from New York to Pennsylvania. And that's how, you know, uh, Biden got all of these ballots cast for him in Pennsylvania. But then as we started to, you know, dig, as lawyers do, we learned that this is a guy that said ghosts were haunting him and his family, that, you know, he's, there's a shadow person in his basement and he had to move out of his house because of the shadow person. And I, I bring this up not to Disparage Jesse Morgan because he may believe all of that, but just to show the, the level, the, you know, the, the lack of, of credible witnesses and evidence that's being presented by not just any lawyers, but lawyers representing the President of the United
2: States. Yeah. What they all do know this, they won't know it. it.
0: These witnesses, and I'm going to do air quote because I don't believe there's any credible statements that any of them have made, but. How do we even digest this?
1: Uh, Again, we digest this by saying, you know, democracy won this time. I I don't think our history in this country has ever really been conservative versus liberal. I think from the very beginning, it's always been a struggle between aristocracy and democracy. From the time the wealthy landowning white males decided only they should vote, every individual right Americans have achieved has been fought for and won. It has never been given. Mm -hmm. And we witnessed... You know, for all the depressing elements of the last four years, I got to be honest, all, all the faith in my country I lost when the American people voted for Come Over Caligula, knowing he was a liar, knowing he was a misogynist, knowing he spread a racist smear for years about the first black president with no evidence. And yet people still voted for this individual.
2: Yeah,
1: All that faith was restored for me early when I was at the Women's March in D.C. on inauguration weekend. It was restored when I took my my four-year-old to the anti-Muslim ban march in Battery Park, when I saw the Parkland kids, when I saw how people came together. And one of the beautiful things about the response to this pandemic, because in everything horrible, there is always good that comes of it. Just yeah. horrible things will come from good. Yeah. So many Americans were trapped inside for a long time this year. Americans who are not normally given to following politics, the way us news nerds do. Yeah. So many Americans became so much more civically engaged because they were trapped at home and it was an election year and they couldn't go out and drink at night. Yeah. And That gives me incredible hope, not just because we saw, I mean, the highest turnout in history during a pandemic when it's not safe to vote and people did it anyway. Yeah. Uh, my, my my disgust for America is usually balanced by my hope for America. And boy, both were turned up to 10 the last several
2: years I think a lot of good will come from this. You live in New York. Here's the
0: issue. Rudy Giuliani, America's mayor after 9-11. I mean, revered, not just by New Yorkers, but from people like me who lived across the country in Los Angeles. What the hell has happened to Rudy Giuliani that he would allow himself, whether he's in front of the Four Seasons landscaping or someplace else, to be standing there with, you know, Brown hair dye dripping down his face, surrounded by these quack lawyers, you know, pushing the most bogus conspiracy theory ever. Tell us the the Rudy story.
1: Well, America can finally see um, what New Yorkers saw, the Rudy Giuliani of September 10th, 2001. No individual has profited more, professionally Mm -hmm. and maybe personally, Then Rudolph Giuliani from the mass slaughter that occurred in this city, on this Mm -hmm. island I'm speaking to you from in 2001. Giuliani made this a cottage industry. Giuliani turned himself into America's mayor. And look, he has a right, build on your capital, right? It's seldom we see someone squander so much capital in such a short time. And the squandering really began when Giuliani talked President Bush into making Bernard Carrick the head of Homeland Security even though he knew Bernard Carrick was a crook. Bernard Carrick, by the way, who was just pardoned by Donald Trump. So since then Giuliani has um, had his fourth alimony and he has, uh, he's a man who enjoys the drink. And, um, and I've, I've met him uh, and, and I met him when I was a young intern at NPR years ago and he was very, very kind to me and impressed me how kind he was. But the last several years, he's been a guy who is not really a lawyer He's a guy who sells access to himself for foreign individuals who are willing to pay to have a photo with him or to have his name on a brief. Uh, So whatever he has on Trump, he appears to be the one person in Trump's inner circle not named Ivanka that Trump will never turn on. And it's a very symbiotic relationship. Rudy is still out there in the public eye. You know, he. He showed up in this miniseries, Celebrity Apprentice, White House edition. He showed up in the campaign season, didn't get a job in the cabinet, came back as Trump's lawyer, embarrassing Trump time after time, lie after lie and these humiliating appearances. And, and it's all culminating in this. I do think good is coming from this. I, I think that, uh, you know, Giuliani's lies and dishonesty, again, it's it's not just helping Georgia, and the runoff elections which are the thing that matter most in our country right now. Georgia's runoffs will determine whether Mitch McConnell gets another term as president yeah. of the United States. But everything Giuliani does, it's all a grift. The Times reported he gets 20,000 a day, which is a pittance if you've raised 20 200 million. Right, absolutely. And so I think they're just running out of clock. Mm-hmm. And and it it makes more sense for them because they only think short term. To keep the grift going so Giuliani will sully his legacy but he'll be surrounded by sycophants who say he's great yeah. and and uh, you know we've never really seen anyone in recent American times dishonor and degrade their own legacy this much these men had a chance not to redeem themselves in total but to at least look better they don't want to do that so they don't, yeah. they don't
2: know
0: physically or literally and I think it's so important that you you point that out John because so many people hear these press conferences, they, they see the statements by Rudy and team, and they think there's some legitimacy. You know, reporters are, are talking to folks in, in Georgia, rural Georg- Georgia about the election, and they're saying, yeah, there's still hope. Yeah, there's still evidence is going to be presented in, in court, and they don't understand this is all just one big scam. It's, it's, it yeah. doesn't matter that courts, that they've lost 38 of 39 yeah. lawsuits, that Republican judges have written scathing opinions, criticizing you know, the evidence or the lack of evidence, the, the the scam arguments that have been presented. You know, everyday voters, unfortunately, are, are not getting that message. So we just have to keep beating that drum over and over again. There is no legal case here to be made. This is all a scam. No. But yeah. pardons, uh, I want to talk about pardons because we are hearing that this list, you know, uh, maybe as long as 20 people, probably includes the president's children, includes Rudy. Uh, Sean Hannity tells the president on on you know Fox News you should consider you know issuing a pardon for your kids as well as yourself and then we we see as as Trump typically does when he hears Sean Hannity say something on Fox he starts to tweet it he starts to repeat it
2: yeah
0: unprecedented for anyone and particularly a, a sitting president to talk about issuing a pardon for people who as far as we know have not been accused of a crime uh, what do you make That's of, right. of And Jared, do you think they're going to want a pardon when to date there is no crime that's been identified?
1: Yes. Let's not forget (laughs) Donald Trump's first pardon was to a a gentleman I met when I did a show with Bill Maher in his prison. Sheriff Joe Arpaio, uh, a guy who was so racist, he had to stop being a sheriff in Arizona. And that's when you're so racist, Arizona won't let you lock up uh non-violent brown men just for being brown anymore you're really racist and joe arpaio never did a day in jail he never filed an appeal donald trump was sending a signal he had a criminal
0: case <laughs> filed against him john i think what's jarring to so many people is ivanka jared uh don jr eric as far as we know we know their investigations happening in new york and we're really excited to see where those go but they've not been accused of any crime so typically pardon you are pardon you're issuing a pardon for something it's not just an air pardon it's yeah. a pardon for lying to the justice department or for committing yeah. tax evasion so what is donald trump going to say his lovely children did
1: but it's it's not it's for anything they may have done he's going to try and preemptively pardon them it's it's mafia talk you know like you remember in the end of the untouchables when when costner gets frank nitty and says you've got a gun and he goes i got a permit for that and it's just a signed letter from the mayor saying this guy can do whatever he wants, they're gonna try to preemptively pardon themselves for anything. The problem is, as you well know, Ms. Martin, that only works on the federal level, not the state. And Letitia yeah. James and Saivans are already, And, you know, we already know Don Jr. and Ivanka lied to investors about occupancy rates in Trump buildings to try to get more tenants and charge more rent. We know they're fraudsters. We know they've already done it. We got to remember, Donald Trump is going to be spending enormous amounts of money on lawyers for the rest of his life. A lot of liberal folks who think he's going to wind up in an orange jumpsuit. No, that will never happen. But he will be tied up in legislation, staying out of prison for the rest of his life. And there's no vindictiveness in this. I don't really care what happens to them. I want them gone. Uh, I I don't really want anything punitive to happen, but there does have to be accountability. And a lot of folks are going to be looking to see what are we as a culture going to do to prevent this kind of scam from happening again. His followers, again, it's authoritarianism. So blind obedience is what they're going to do. We could have impeached Donald Trump one minute into his inaugural address for violating the emoluments clauses in the constitution. It's been corrupt the entire time. Uh, You A part of me just wants him gone, but yeah, we've got to see what's gonna happen. I mean, now they're saying Don Jr. might try to become the president of the NRA. A year ago, they were saying he was gonna run for mayor of New York. It's all branding. And we have to remember the only thing Trump's ever really been successful about is being a brand licensor, is false image. So it's gonna be interesting for all of them, I think.
0: No, I weird. and Ivanka too, you know, th- there was this hope that Ivanka was going to be the moderating force in the White House, that she somehow was going to be, you know, pulling dad's coattail and 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 keeping him from you know engaging in, in some of this extremist right. thing. But she's now full-on wrapped herself, you know, in Trump, Trump isms. Oh, who do
1: you think and who do you think leaked it by the way? Who do you think was leaking the last four years that Jared and Ivanka are the moderating influences talking him out of some of his more rash idea. Jared and Ivanka have been leaking this entire time. And the very fact that Ivanka Trump came out uh, for criminalizing abortion rights, that's what I'm not gonna call her what she said. She came out for criminalizing women's reproductive rights which is to say, she supports putting women and doctors in prison. Okay, you're not pro-life, I'm yeah. sorry. You know, they support the death penalty. Jesus, the Bible's not against abortion. Spoiler alert: Jesus never mentioned it. Jesus was against the death penalty, not abortion. So they call themselves
0: now at, at you know yeah. net break speed to execute people, so we should. But, yeah, and,
1: and so she comes out and calls herself proudly pro life right before election day, which yeah. shows she's trying to have MAGA be her support base as well, and perhaps she has future uh, ideals for, yeah. and for
2: office that's having that's that's of that's power. That's
0: female president. We do know that. But, but I do want to ask you, there's signs up in New York City, you know, basically saying Ivanka and Jared are no longer welcome here. What do you think if they tried to move back to New York? And there are all these stories about, do they go to New Jersey? Do they go to Florida? Do they go to New York? Can they reintegrate into the New York social scene? that no. They were part no, of?
1: no, nor should they, uh, nor should they. There must be accountability, not cruelty, But accountability. I think we'll see Jared and Ivanka become the toast of the uh, of the I don't know, uh, maybe the uh, uh, Charlotte nightlife scene. Um, Maybe somewhere in South Carolina they can become socialites. But no, their, their time in New York is done. I mean, look for a pardon for Jared's father. Yeah. Uh, you know, look for pardons for Roger Stone, who already had, mm-hmm. was guilty and had his case thrown out. Uh, look for pardons for, um, uh, well, who's he pardoned already? Dinesh D'Souza, Scooter well, we Libby, Papadopoulos. Papadopoulos. Uh,
0: we've got Papadopoulos, who's going to be looking for one.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, uh, they, they, they pardoned, um, uh, Clint Lawrence, who was doing 19 years for second degree murder. They pardoned that soldier who murdered someone and called it an yes. execution. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the only black people he pardons are if celebrities ask him. Stallone asked him oh, to pardon Jack Johnson.
0: Johnson. Who, God bless her soul, and, and thank God she's out of prison. But I've been so disappointed in her, uh, you know, being a part of the RNC convention, going to the White House, uh, then feigning ignorance about Trump's you know, policies about uh, prosecuting protesters. So. Uh, people, Alice,
1: Alice Johnson, you mean? Alice, Alice Johnson. Yes. Yeah. But again, Barack Obama refused to pardon her. And, oh, and, and Trump only pardoned her because a celebrity
0: asked yeah, and her Kardashian
1: asked him to. Yeah. So, you know,
0: Alice, mm-hmm. Alice got in the Trump spear and I think damaged her own reputation as anyone who goes near Trump does. Oh yeah. Uh, and she was once a sympathetic, you know, figure. And, and now all of a sudden she's surrounded herself with Trump. I do want to make, you know, remind people that in that interview yesterday, that, uh, Biden and Harris did with CNN, they both made it clear that they are not going to be directing the Department of Justice. DOJ will be an independent judicial, I mean, legal body as it should be prosecutorial body, which means if the new, uh, you know, attorney general finds that there have been crimes committed by the Trump family, that they're not going to be told by Biden, don't go after it. Biden is going to leave that decision to follow the facts and the law to the new attorney general. And I was glad to hear him say that. I don't think he should get embroiled for the next four years in going after Trump. New York do that. New York is going to do that. It's already doing it. I don't think he should be telling the attorney general what not to do, because that's what we just experienced under Donald Trump. Let the attorney general be the independent uh, you know, top cop of the nation that he should, he or she, hopefully it's a she, uh, should be. Uh, and, you know, follow the facts and follow the law as any good lawyer should do. I, I, I grew m- up
1: watching Bill Clinton be terrified of his attorney general, and I think that's a healthy way to do it.
0: Oh, absolutely. Because it, it should be a message that, President, you're not above the law. And if you commit a crime, I'm coming for you too. And, and that should be the message coming from the DOJ. I do want to get to this imploding GOP party. You alluded to it earlier in your comments about Georgia, but what we've never seen, I don't think, you know, Democrats, we always eat our own. (laughs) We're notorious for that. And we have a little of that going on now as the left is kind of, you know, sniping at the mid, the mods and the mods are sniping. Nothing
2: new, nothing new.
0: But nothing like what we're seeing in Georgia, where top election officials are being targeted by Trump, where the governor who has been the biggest sycophant on the planet is now being targeted by Trump. Uh, what do you make of this just, you know, eating their own that's happening in the Republican Party?
1: You know, Trump talks a lot about loyalty, but what he means by loyalty is obedience. Because loyalty, real loyalty goes two ways. Um, to say that he's ashamed that he ever endorsed Brian Kemp. How, how about 2020, huh? Ending with me agreeing with Donald Trump emphatically. Yes, you should be ashamed. Yeah. You, I mean, Brian Kemp stole that race from Stacey Abrams. Everybody can Google 40,000. Yes. You know,
0: no mask mandate, nothing to none, address.
1: None, And, and Stacey Abrams is really the real hero yeah. of this election in so many ways as well. You know, I, I hope we see her running the DNC. Uh, no disrespect to Tom Perez. But give me a break, Don Perez. I mean yeah, you
0: know. time has served his time. With time move on. But but you know, yeah. even beyond what we're seeing with these election officials, we have these uh Trump lawyers, Lynn Wood, Sydney yeah. Powell at a stop the steal rally urging Republicans not to vote in the you know, the runoff election on January fifth. Could we ask for a better Democratic ad for Warnock and, and
1: then Part of the reward, part of the reward moral smart people get for resisting this for all these years is that you get to enjoy this now, okay? You get to enjoy this spectacle, because Donald Trump is doing so much to help Ossoff and Warnock. I mean, we have two Democratic senators from Arizona now. When I was a kid, they were vetoing Dr. King's holiday, and now yeah. two Democratic senators, we may have two Democratic senators from Georgia in 35 days, so we 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 can't underestimate how valuable this is. Now, when this whole recount business began, and we knew Trump was going to file lawsuits on election day, the entire right wing got behind Trump's legal team. They were all saying, listen to these lawyers, it was stolen, yes, Mr. President, yes, Mr. President, but it's a culture of selfishness. John Kenneth Galbraith said in 1967, that the modern conservatives engaged in one of mankind's oldest pursuits, the search to make selfishness appear a virtue. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I mangled that a bit, but that's essentially what it's been. You can make the argument crudely that America's always a struggle of me, 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 versus yeah. we, we, we. We the people versus I'm going to get what I can get. Yeah. And the GOP has become a culture of selfishness, passing an office of virtue for most of my life. So. What we're seeing now is that selfishness turn on each other. Uh, Vladimir Putin, one of his most brilliant evil gestures was recognizing the eternal inner civil war in the Democratic Party—the Bernie folks against the Hillary folks. My God, I'm so t- the the the, the finkle Margaret Thatcher cage match—it's still going on—and they stoked those resentments very effectively. Um, Joe Biden gets a lot of credit for bringing that together. You know the fact that Joe Biden had uh, Noam Chomsky and Angela Davis and Jesse Jackson and Bernie Sanders in his corner, really did a lot to get rid of those divisions we saw that cost Gore the White House. In the case of Trump, they're finally turning on each other. The very politicians who were defending this legal team, Newt Gingrich, is now out there yes. discrediting Trump's legal team. They yes, said, yeah, really it. Robbed. listen to Trump's lawyers. And now the Trump's lawyers are saying, don't even show up to vote in Georgia. They're saying, don't listen to Trump's voters at all.
0: But Newt wasn't singing that song when they were out, you know, beating the fraudulent, you know, mail-in ballots. Trump won the election. It's been stolen from Trump. Newt mm-hmm on that train but now that the train has taken you know this this sharp left to don't vote at all now nude is like oh these lawyers are the worst let's get rid of them so
1: such hypocrisy i mean it, such hypocrisy but again it's but, it, but it's it's predictable you know it's like it's all selfishness people say to me can, Lindsey Graham, can you explain li- how does Lindsey Graham go from impeaching Bill Clinton over nothing to defending Donald Trump when, when he's really committed a crime? What, what happened to Lindsey Graham? I'm like, what are you talking about? Lindsey Graham has always been completely consistent. He has only cared about the things that will help his donors and mm-hmm. get him more donations. That's how it was under Clinton. That's how it was under Trump. There's no evolution. There's no change. You can't, You. I mean, you can call it hypocrisy, but hypocrisy is his baseline. Gingrich is the same. I mean, this is Newt Gingrich who began Trumpism, arguably. The, I mean, him, Trump and Giuliani are the nine wives club. I'm sorry, the 10 wives club. So, you know, there is a perverse beauty in it. We can't get too smug about it because they're going to turn their focus back on us and do all they can to make the next two years as hard for Biden as possible. But I I have a lot of hope that all the folks that really got engaged in politics this year might just show up in 2022 and not hand these guys uh, a massive midterm victory. But in the meantime, you know, this election in Georgia, so much rides on it. Biden can't do a thing beyond executive orders without these two seats, and I want to thank Donald Trump for doing all he can to deliver those seats to the Democratic Party.
0: And we should be encouraged, John, because already one million people in Georgia have requested those early mail-in ballots, and we know that that's predominantly Democratic voters because Republicans yeah. think those mail-in ballots, you know, are, are fraudulent and you know illegal and illicit in some ways. So thanks to Donald Trump for encouraging Democrats to request those mail-in ballots. Uh, Yeah, you know, and traditionally, Dems don't come out in these special term elections, and particularly low propensity voters, African-Americans, millennials, uh, Latino voters.
1: But this, again, to bring it back to Stacey Abrams, you know, when she ran for the Democratic nomination for for governor of Georgia, she ran against uh, Stacey Evans, who's also a great public servant, and they had two very different strategies. Stacey Evans said, look, These Trump voters, they're our our loved ones. They're our neighbors, our coworkers. We have to try and convince them that they have been duped, that they've been conned. We have to try to bring them back into sanity. Stacey Abrams said, no, we don't have to try and do that. We have to try and get everyone who didn't vote last time and can vote now to turn out. That means people who don't believe in it. That means people who've never registered. That means people who've turned 18 since then. That means people who've become citizens since then or moved to the state since then. And what did Stacey Abrams' effort get? Almost, I mean, 800,000 plus brand new voters in the state of Georgia. I mean, Most once again, African-Americans are saving the culture and the economy that has so exploited them for 400 years. Once again, African-Americans are saving this country. So, yeah. you know, the Stacey Abrams model works and mm-hmm. it only works if we're engaged. So uh, ironically, Donald Trump's greatest gift may be getting so many people engaged in politics against Donald Trump. With Bush, it took six years. Until yeah. the midterms of the 2006. With Trump, it took four. And he voted by mail in 2020 in the primary, in 2018, 2017. Again, it's it's all. He voted again, but for all of the noise he was
0: making about mail-in voters. You oh, would yeah. love this young African-American uh, exotic dancer. Her name is Coy Malone. She's been on the show twice. She is the spokesperson for this Get Out the Vote effort in Georgia called Get Your Booty to the Pole.
1: Right on. Uh,
0: and the creative director went in and, and, and filmed this PSA of, you know, let's call them what they are, strippers. They're proud of it.
1: Fine, strippers fine.
0: Dancing in a club. But again, encouraging those low propensity voters, those that you're talking about, that Stacey Abrams organized to recognize their power. Many of them didn't know if they were, you know, justice. uh, They've been involved with the justice system. They didn't know if they had the right to vote or the, you know, the legal right to vote. So she went and and reached people where they are. And a lot of people are in those strip clubs in Atlanta. They're, they're, you know, really hugely popular. And that's the kind of effort that it took
2: to turn Georgia. Uh, purple and on its way to being blue. I want to shift gears though before I have to say goodbye to you. And this is a non-political topic, but it's
0: a, a story that caught my attention. Uh, and it's the uh, legislators in San Francisco, the lawmakers, have banned smoking inside apartments in an effort to curb, you know, the negative health impacts from secondhand smoke. However, you can still smoke pot in your apartment, the rationale is that you know cigarette smokers can go outside; they can go, you know, smoke outdoors. But pot smokers can't smoke in public in San Francisco, so they have to have a place to smoke their pot. And you know, lawmakers say let them do it in their apartments. Now, as you can imagine, the cigarette smokers are outraged, uh, you know, and there's a you know massive revolt going on in San Francisco. Do you think the legislators got this one right, John?
1: You know, it, it seems like they're caught in the middle of an evolving culture. Mm. As cannabis becomes uh, more acceptable and less demonized, it was legal in this country until, you know, the mid-1930s and when Congress made it illegal, the American Medical Association opposed it because they knew even then about cannabis's uh, effects as a painkiller. You know, cannabis was used, I mean, the, the plant has been grown Long before white people ever came to this land, Benjamin Franklin made the first printing press in the colonies out of hemp paper. Thomas Jefferson smuggled rare hemp seeds from China. Uh, You know, it's as American as apple pie. And they all knew back then, if you smoked the flowery top part of the plant, you'd want to eat a lot of apple pie. Back in (laughs) in the colonial days, cannabis was a a, a painkiller.
0: They're feeling very uh, American right now, John.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, I think legalized pot is the conservative point of view. And again, it's been a painkiller since colonial days. The biggest drug problem in our country back then was the same as now, alcohol. So while on the one hand, you see this redress of grievances, on the other hand, you know, it's it's sad for smokers that you can do it in private houses, but not in apartments. But building owners get to have that agency. And I think secondhand smoke is very, very important to talk about right now, because when we talk about mask and harm reduction and social distancing with covid-19 there's a tendency to say look let these trump supporters be- believe trump and le- let them all get each other sick and i'm like no no yeah. it's not like that this is like ar15s or secondhand smoke their selfish stupidity can we'll, kill we'll, innocents will
0: cost us all we'll all pay yeah. yeah
1: so again it's this is this is you know reducing the Amount of carcinogens reducing the the tar, the nicotine that can be in private residential apartment buildings takes a load economically off the taxpayer in terms of health care costs. John, I mean, that,
0: that, that 10 years from now, 20 years from now, there are going to be some scientific studies that show that the secondhand smoke from marijuana is, you know, potentially as damaging or, or in
2: some yeah, ways,
1: never not- good for your lungs, of course, of course. but. But it's not deliberately filled with ammonia and and you know poisons to make it more addictive. That's that's the difference. At least the weed right now is organic. Wait till Pfizer gets a handle on it. But again, <laughs> not you know, it's going to help people quit. It's going to help people convert baby to vape pens and get off cigarettes.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I was torn when I saw this story. First of all, and here's why: because I did once on a show about secondhand smoke and I got so many people reaching out to me saying they live in apartment buildings where their neighbors smoke. And how, smell oh, and damaging that was. Uh, many of them had small children and there have been lots of lawsuits filed against apartment yeah. workers and, you know, smokers uh, around the secondhand smoke. But I also know lots of people who are non-pot smokers. They're OK, you know, legalize it. That's fine. But they don't want to be subjected to that smoke in the privacy of their own. Or the
1: smell or the smell either. Neither. Yeah.
0: So, I don't know. It I mean, don't
1: sense. you think that oh, private resident, or even can't private residential buildings just have their own ordinances and just say, you know, no smokable uh, anything in my building? Because, I mean, with vaporizer pens, which were the biggest threat to our lives at the beginning of 2020, by the way, uh, it'll allow a lot of cigarette smokers to transition off of that and, and get away from it. Yeah. I mean, it's all in service of the public health and we all pay for that. So I, I think it's a strong legal argument.
0: Just came to me. You know how airports have these smoking areas where they used to be inside. Now they've, you know, moved most of them outside. So if you live in a cold climate, you're like out there shivering, trying to smoke.
1: Shame, shame, cigarette shame.
0: San Francisco needs to create some smoking zone where all the smokers have to go. And you get it out of the apartment buildings. Because I do worry about, you know, young families who are just starting out who have to live in these crowded apartment buildings. And what that secondhand smoke, whether it's, you know, marijuana or cigarette smoke do for their kids. So maybe San Francisco, get more creative. I
1: mean, I think uh, California will be the first state to ban public smoking. I I agree with you completely. I I think we're on the way to seeing California be the first state to ban all outdoor public smoking. Uh, For those who have to do it in private, again, it's another area where the rich will have privilege. They can go into their houses and do it. Folks in apartments can't. But you know, it, it, like the greatest argument, one of the greatest arguments for having single-payer health care is when uninsured people show up at emergency rooms, we all, the local taxpayers, foot the bill. We already have socialized health care in this country, right? Yeah. So uh, I think that California did this with wisdom, and the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, and smoking is a privilege. It's not a right.
2: Yeah.
0: No, uh, lots more. And I'm going to be following that story very closely because it caught my to talk to you for hours, John, but I have to let you go. But before I do, you've got to tell us about your upcoming pay-per-view comedy specials and these comedy uh, shows. You said you've been doing literally on the streets of New York. What's well,
1: yeah, well, I've been, uh, I, I've been since, uh, I had three tours that were planned for this year. One of them is the sexy liberal tour I do with Stephanie Miller. Uh, I was, uh, I had just launched a, a sit-down comedy tour with Louis Black and Alan Zweibel. We had done one show on Valentine's Day and then Play Kit. Uh, I began shooting on the sidewalks of New York during the lockdown when the streets were empty, just going out and shooting a stand-up special on the empty streets. Um, For the Sexy Liberal Tour, we decided a few months ago to start doing pay-per-view shows. So I began taking some of what I was shooting every month and making it into a 20-minute set or sketches or stuff. We've done six of these specials so far uh, through sexyliberal.com. It's myself, uh, Frangela, the great African-American female comedy duo.
0: Why the title sexyliberal.com? What is that?
1: that's Stephanie Miller's when we, I, I spent years trying to talk Stephanie into doing a, a stand-up tour because she has a great progressive radio audience and the tour was very successful. We, we made, you know, it made millions of dollars. It played all over, Thou- red states, blue states. We were joined on stage by everybody from Nancy Pelosi to Martin Sheen to Ted Lou. Uh, we've been doing these, um, Lily Tomlin has joined us on stage three times. We've been doing these virtual shows We've had over 40,000 downloads. Everybody from Rob Reiner to uh, Lily Tomlin to Malcolm Nance has been joining us. A lot of great celebrity cameos. And now we're going to be doing a best of just all the funniest sketches. That's going to be uh pay-per-viewing on the 19th of December, Saturday. And the first six are going to be for sale in a very funny package, a very impressive package that's on sale as well. Um, for me, it was scary filming in New York City on the empty streets. It was scarier when the lockdown ended and the streets were packed full of people, I was filming on the Lower East Side of Manhattan and I was hit by a van. I woke up in uh, a, an ambulance in a neck brace. My cinematographer, like you know, called the cops and, and locked up our bikes. And they told me we're taking you to the emergency room. And if you've lived in New York City during the lockdown, you know the ambulance sounds all day. The place you don't want to be is an emergency room. I'm there oh. on a stretcher in a neck brace, begging these EMTs, don't make me go because it's terrifying, you know, If you're in labor, you got a gunshot, your appendix broke, don't go to an ER. This was in July, but they said, I'm sorry, sir, we have to take you. And when I got there, the emergency room was empty because New Yorkers socially distance and New Yorkers wore masks. And I saw what a flattened curve looks like, an empty ER. Now it's gone the other way, but I have firsthand experience that we can do this if we come together and- Wait
0: a minute, John, you just kind of, you know, ran over that part that you were hit Want to buy a van in an emergency vehicle with a neck brace on a stretcher? So how are you doing, my
2: friend? I'm
1: fine. It was just I just got cuts and bumps. I was very very lucky. But the luckiest thing about it for me was to to witness what a flattened curve looks like. To be in Bellevue emergency room and see entire sections that were empty right. because people looked out for each other. And that's why I have tremendous faith in the ability of all Americans, even even right wing brothers and sisters to come together and have some inconvenience because we care about people we don't know. I, I've seen it with my own eyes. I know we can do it. And it's scary again in New York. We're back to ambulance sounds all day and all night, Areva. I mean, all day and all night, we hear it. But uh, it's gonna be a rough winter. Uh, it's very scary. Even if vaccines work and are distributed, we're still gonna be wearing masks and distancing for quite a while. But I, I, I I'm not an optimist. I'm a recovering cynic. And having seen that we can do this, I know that America can come together and minimalize the risk. And uh, so I'm I'm full of hope.
0: Well, I'm super excited, John, about your comedy special, What's Going to Drop. You just said on December 19th, I'm going to definitely make sure I check it out. Uh, for those of you who love John the way that I do, you can check out his show, Tell Me Everything, on SiriusXM uh, channel 127. Uh, is there a website we can find more about your? Schedule. Yeah, you can
1: you can go to uh, johnfuglesang.com uh, if you can spell fuglesang. And I'm on evenings now. They made me an offer I can't refuse at SiriusXM. Uh, so we moved to evenings last ye- last fall. Our first guest was Pete Townsend, and I do a show that mixes celebrities. I've had everybody from you know Jeff Bridges and Tyler Perry and Julie Andrews to uh, everybody from Bernie Sanders and Sheldon Whitehouse and uh, Sherrod Brown. So we do a a very fun political, comedy, cultural show. And uh, I've been honored to have you as a guest a few times. I hope to get you back, Ariva.
0: Yes, I'm excited. I'm in in such good company with those folks you just named. Oh, yeah. So you are doing such amazing work. And right now in this, you know, this really partisan political you know, world, we find ourselves in comics. And folks like you, John, are so important because you keep us laughing while keeping us informed. And what could be better? Billy
1: Wilder said, if you're going to tell people the truth, make it funny or they'll kill you. And uh, you get a lot farther with a joke and the truth than just the truth in a country like America.
0: Well, thank you so much, John, for sitting down with me. My next trip to New York, I will be making a beeline to the studio to sit down with you. I I love everything you're doing. Be safe out there. Have wonderful holidays. And keep us watching. please.
2: Be
1: well. Thank you. And thank you to all of your staff and all of your viewers.
0: All right. Thank you. That is the amazing John saying, my guest this morning, uh, bringing the real. I just love it when I get to sit down with amazing, uh, super talented, funny, smart guys like John because they, they not only entertain us, but they really educate us. And we know that education is also empowering. Uh, thanks to all of my viewers today for, you know, hanging with us on a Friday morning. Uh, before I get out, I just want to leave you with some words to live by. The famous author and historian Alex Haley once said, find the good and praise it. Well, today I want to praise the frontline healthcare workers working in hospitals around the country to save lives of all people, but particularly those people impacted by COVID-19. Uh, I also want to give a big shout out to my stepbrother Donnell Carter. He is a nurse working in the ICU unit at one of Boston's busiest hospitals. And Donnell is recovering from COVID that he contracted while working really long hours uh, in that Boston hospital. You know, and yesterday marked a, another bleak day in the pandemic. So when I think about Donnell and all those healthcare workers, and we look at the record high numbers, a hundred. 1,000 plus people with COVID-19 in our hospitals around the country. Uh, Each day this week has brought a new record. 2,800 people died, lost their lives to COVID on Wednesday. And on Thursday, 203,000 new cases of COVID-19. These numbers are so large that at times they seem fake. They seem like fake news, but yet they are so real. And I'm reminded every time I interview a doctor or a nurse on the show or I listen to the stories of healthcare professionals on the front line, telling stories of working 24 hour shifts, not being able to hug their kids, not sleeping for days and literally being surrounded by more death than they have ever imagined possible. Uh, you know, I'm just reminded of how important these healthcare workers are. And this really hit home for me yesterday as I was watching nurses in a hospital in my hometown of St. Louis tell the story of how COVID has overwhelmed their ICU unit and how they spend their days turning patients from one side to the other, turning their bodies, helping them find a place where they can breathe better. Uh, And watching five nurses take almost 30 minutes to turn one patient, and hearing them talk about how this is a daily ritual, just watching this almost brought me to tears. And it did bring me to action. It, It caused me to immediately text my family and friends in St. Louis and to remind them to wear their masks, to socially distance, to be extra careful. Uh, because I I wanted them to know that our hometown of St. Louis was, was, was in such a bad state that it was on the national news. And what everyone should know is that if doctors and nurses can work double and triple shifts, if they can sacrifice their own health and the health of their families to save others, the least, the least that we can do is thank them. And by thanking them, I don't mean serenading them from balconies or dedicating Christmas decorations to them in a White House that flaunts all of the CDC guidelines by hosting super spreader Christmas parties. By thanking them, I mean following the rules that will help slow the spread of the virus so that these healthcare professionals can go back to working normal hours, spending time with their families, and saving the lives of folks whose injuries and illnesses are of no fault of their own. This is what Alex Haley, the acclaimed writer of Roots, meant when he said, find the good and praise it. I'm out, y'all. Don't forget to wear your mask, be safe out there, and remember, we're all in this together.